Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be reading just a couple of verses there. Thank you, Pastor. Amen for the confidence. Amen. To be able to preach this morning to you beautiful people this morning. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you look nice this morning. Amen. Now you turn to the other neighbor and say, you do too. Amen. Everybody looks good in church. Amen. We're just gonna we're just gonna flow with the spirit this morning. I feel like the Lord has spoken to me. It's a very familiar passage of scripture, a scripture that probably gets gets read and preached from uh, a lot of times. I know that I am certainly used it several several sermons but it's just a beautiful scripture that goes right along with the service today first peter chapter 1 verse 18 through 20 the writer says for as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who was verily ordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you So many things comes together. History, present tense, and future tense. The writer here is referencing Revelation 13 and 8. The revelator wrote that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And then Peter sums it up and says, And he was manifest in these last times for you. Everybody say for me. For me. A lamb for me. A lamb for you. I want to preach just for a little while on a simple, simple subject. The lamb is enough. The lamb is enough. Why don't we just go to the Lord at this time. Lord, we just love you today. Thank you for... Your word that offers us comfort and peace, Lord, and a future hope, God, of a resurrection that if we have your blood applied to our lives, that we will have a life everlasting and eternal. And everybody said in Jesus' name, why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. I'm grateful today for the blood 
Amen, amen. You may be seated. One songwriter said, I'm thankful for the blood. Another songwriter said, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died upon a cross. I know it was the blood for me. Sister Jessica Smith sings a song, and I love it so much. It says, for it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. His blood, amen. Uh, the praise team sings a song called Just One Drop of His Blood, amen. All it takes, amen, is one drop of his blood, amen. The book of Isaiah says it now. Let us come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be red like crimson, they shall be white as snow. How can blood take a black heart, take red blood, and make it white like snow. Only the blood of Jesus. Can you imagine one spotless lamb of God that took away the sins of the world? When Jesus was walking through, amen, John the Baptist saw him in John chapter one and 29, and John records it like this. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Notice this, he doesn't cover sin. He takes it away. In Genesis when Adam and Eve committed sin, the Bible says that God took a lamb and he covered them. Amen. Up until Jesus' time, sin was only covered. You can't cover sin. Amen. Only God can Remove it. Sin came as a debt. Romans 5, 12 says, for by one man's sin entered in and death by sin. By one man's disobedience, we all were born in sin. You don't have to teach your children how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to be mean. They're just born with it. Amen. And let me tell you something. Uh, it's not popular to preach about sin because sin destroys the perfect garden scenario, evicted the first family, starting a chain event that was worse than any disease, worse than any epidemic, worse than any pandemic. It's worse than cancer. It's worse than sugar diabetes, Brother Wayne. It's worse than dementia. It's worse than arthritis. It's worse than COVID-19. It's worse than heart disease. Sin kills the soul, hurts the heart, and destroys homes. James 1 said it like this in verse 13. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Sin is a taskmaster, just like in Egypt. Satan wants to enslave you. How many of you used to be bound by sin? Why don't you raise your hand, amen, this morning. We were all bound by sin, but thanks be to God, when we come to the altar, God took those shackles of sin and unlocked it. And the Bible says that he whom the Son has made free is free indeed. Huh. I, I keep thinking about that song that says, 
took the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise him. I just want to praise him. I can tell maybe some of you haven't gotten the shackles off. Amen. You can always tell who's bound and who's a prisoner because there's a lack of praise. Friend, let me tell you something. The Bible said in in Psalms 102 and 3, he said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. My, my, my. Well, that's not my message. Sin's a taskmaster. Romans 6, 12 says, let therefore not sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey the lust thereof. Neither yield your member as instruments as unrighteousness unto sin. It's been said that sin doesn't pay. I've heard somebody say sin doesn't pay, but I beg to differ. The Bible does say that sin pays. Romans 6, 23, it says, for sin's wages are death. But friend, let me tell you something. But the gift of God is eternal life. Sin. Everybody say sin. Sin's probably the most powerful three-letter word in the Bible. Sin is mentioned 713 times in our Bible. It's not just an action. It's something we're born with. Sinning does not make you a sinner. Being a sinner makes you sin. It's not the sin that you commit that makes you a sinner. It's the sinner that you are that makes you sin. Psalmist David said it like this in Psalms 51 and 5. David said, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Everyone is affected by it, yet nobody wants to talk about it. It used to be preached about more, but now people get offended by it. Preachers need to proclaim that sin is wrong and not just say sin is wrong, but preach about it. It still takes holiness to see God. It still takes a life of separation to make it to heaven. Oh, yes, hallelujah. I thought about the little boy that came home came home from Sunday school and he told his mother, she said, what did the preacher preach about? He said, the preacher preached about sin. She said, well, what did he say about it? He said, I don't know. He said he didn't like it. <laughs> None of us like sin. But simply put, sin simply is the only thing in this world that can keep you out of heaven. The Bible says that flesh and blood shall not inherit eternal life. Be not deceived, neither adulterers, nor fornicators, nor feminists, nor idolaters, nor murderers, nor drunkards, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Sin costs. It costs more than you're willing to pay. And someone said it'll keep you longer than you're willing to stay. Sin sin is a thief. It robs your joy, steals your hope. Sin is a weight. Who can bear? Sin is a debt. Who can pay? Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, my sin debt was paid. Romans 5 and 20 says, but where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. That is, sin that reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus. Sin's power won in the garden, but friend, let me tell you something, but was lost at Calvary. What Jesus won at Calvary overcame what Adam lost in the garden. 
Hmm. Adam wrote a check that he could not pay in the garden and Jesus cashed the check at Calvary and he remitted our sin. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, it said, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now, everybody say now. Now is salvation come and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down which accused them before God day and night. And they overcome him by the blood of the lamb. The lamb is enough. Friend, let me tell you, they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. If we're gonna be saved today, it's gonna be because of the blood of the Lamb. Today is the day of salvation. He is a right now God. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Christ. Every time we visit the hospital room, we see the effects of sin. Every graveside where we tell loved ones goodbye is a result of sin. Every disease that has plagued this church, Sister Gail is suffering with a lung disease that is an effect of sin. Not her sin, but a sin that was set into effect in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Death is reigning. Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, For there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For what the law could not do, he went on to say, what the law could not do in that it was with God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. We don't have to serve the law of sin and death because the lamb is enough. paid the price. I thought about the little boy. I told the story many times and I'm going to tell it again. I, there's a lot of people here that I mean, maybe not ever hold, heard it, but there was a little young boy that, that crafted together out of a piece of wood. He made him a little sailboat. He painted it, put his name on the side of it, put some little sails on it and set it to float in the stream. It got out of his, out of his reach and went to the local creek and into the river and, and just completely lost his little boat. He went home crying and about two years later he was in the local toy shop and he looked and there on the shelf was his little wooden boat. He went to the, to the store owner and said, Sir, he said, that's my boat up there. I'd like to have it back. The man said, Son, if you want to, that boat, you're going to have to buy it. So the little boy got the price. He goes home. He starts mowing grass. He starts raking leaves and, and taking out the garbage until he saves up enough money. After weeks and weeks of hard work, he goes back into the store and he tells the owner as he gives him the, the money, he says, now I'll take my boat. So the owner reaches up, gets the boat, 
dusts it off and gives it to the little boy and the little boy walks out the store with a big smile on his face. He stops right outside the door on the sidewalk and he looks down at his little boat and he says, boat, you are doubly mine. He said, because first I made you, then I bought you. Isn't that just like us? Amen. God made us in his likeness and in his image. And somehow, some way, we got away from the graces of God. Amen. And even though he made us, he said, I'm willing to go to Calvary and pay the ultimate price. I'm glad today that he was willing to go in my place. You ever, you ever bought something? How many has ever bought something and paid too much for it? You know, I, we all like just, just we, we can't help it. We, we buy things that cost way too much money. Nowadays, that's just groceries. So, I mean, Germany produces a pocket knife, and I may not be pronouncing it right. It's, it's, it's called the Nussmuck Jorhendart knife. This knife costs $98,000. It's a production knife. And I thought about it when I read about this knife. Does that knife cut any better than my $25 old timer? Does it? What about a Rolex? I looked at, there's a Rolex called the Men's Daytona Rolex. If y'all want to buy Brother Francois a late Christmas present, Amen. You can see I don't have a watch. But this, this Rolex comes in at only $429,000. The 1952 number 311 Topps baseball card with Mickey Mantle's picture on it held a current record in August the 28th of 22 of 12,600,000 dollars. How would you like to have that card? What about the Rolls-Royce? The Rolls-Royce boat tail, fully customized, only three of them sold in the world, estimated value 30,232,305 dollars. Does a $98,000 pocket knife cut better than an old timer? Does a Rolex Daytona that costs $429,000 keep better time than a Walmart Seiko watch? Does a $30 million Rolls Royce drive better than a Ford Focus? The answer lies, I'm glad you asked. I'm sure it probably does drive better than a Ford Focus. I'm sorry for you Ford owners out there, but <laughs> somebody say, I heard somebody say one time, money can't buy happiness, but I ain't never seen nobody frown in a Mercedes. <laughs> I know, Pastor, you got a Mercedes. Maybe that's why Pastor smiles all the time. <clears throat> what makes these things cost so much money, and why does people want them? It's not that they cut better, it's not that a $400,000 Rolex watch keeps better time. 
than a Casio from Walmart. In fact, you can buy a Casio from Walmart. It's got a 10, for $10, you can get a lifetime warranty on it. $10, you get a lifetime warranty on it. You can send it in, and for $11, they'll give you a brand new one. <laughs> Shipping and handling. The answer lies simply in this. It is the pride of ownership. It's, to, it's for you to have that Rolex on your arm and say, <clears throat> you ever notice people that wear expensive watches? They can be right-handed, but they'll lift that left hand up. <clears throat> I can't help but notice Brother Jordan. Brother Jordan has like a watch collection. He's a watch connoisseur, I would call him. The other day he was showing us, he popped that thing out from under his, his his coat sleeve and was showing us all the things that it does. Well, it, it's basically just a chronometer, right? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it didn't cost 400000 But the pride of ownership is what sets it apart. He could keep just as good a time with a cheap plastic watch. I bought my son one. Cooper had been after me about a watch. He thought he was getting an Apple watch. No. He got a Minecraft Walmart watch. It was $6. Still keeps time. It's like a Timex. It takes a licking and keeps ticking. It's the pride of ownership. Let me tell you something. You can look in the mirror all you want to, honey. You wasn't worth the price that God paid for you. But let me tell you something. He said you belong to me. It's the pride of ownership. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Oh, hallelujah. The precious blood of Jesus paid the full price. Mm. That's why, Sister Kelly, you sing that song. You thought I was worth saving. I, I didn't think I was worth saving. Some of you didn't think, some of you weren't worth saving. Some of us weren't worth saving. But guess what? Jesus said, you're worth saving. He said, I'm not just going to buy you at a discount price. I want to pay the full price. He wasn't looking for a bargain when he came shopping for you. And he never had buyer's remorse. He said, I'll pay and I'll be glad to pay the full price. I, th I thought about David when, when God wouldn't let him build the temple because he had blood on his hands. He goes and sees a man by the name of Ornan and he looked to buy a piece of land for the temple and it was the threshing floor and Ornan was going to give it to him and said, I'll donate it for, for the temple. And David said, no, I'm not going to take it as a gift. He said, I want to pay the full price because he knew the concept of God's church is not something that was just a gift. It's not something that came freely. God was going to pay the ultimate price for our salvation. One of the great English preachers, Charles Spurgeon, told of a man who had been sentenced to death by the Spanish court to pay for his crime. But to complex things, because he was an American citizen, 
and yet he was born in England. The councils of two countries decided to intervene on his behalf. They declared the authorities of, to the authorities of Spain that they had no rights to take this man's life. But their protest was unheeded. Finally and deliberately, they wrapped the prisoner in both countries' flags, the Stars and Stripes and the Union Jack. Defying the executioner, they issued this warning. Fire if you dare, but if you do, you will be bringing the powers of two great nations down upon you. There stood the condemned, but the riflemen did not shoot. Covered by these flags of the government they represented, this man's life was spared. Let me tell you, I stand here today, amen, guilty and condemned, but I'm covered by the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary. The authority of another king has covered me. And friend, let me tell you, the devil holds a loaded gun, but he refuses to pull the trigger because the Lamb of God is enough. He who knew no sin became sin that I might live. He descended so that I can ascend. He became poor so that I could be rich. He was born so that I might be born again. He became a servant that we might be sons and daughters. He was hungry so that I could be fed. He was thirsty and he stood at the well in John 4 and said, He that drinks of this water, amen, that I give will never thirst again. He was stripped at Calvary of his garments so that I could be clothed in his righteousness. He was homeless without a place. He said, The birds and the flocks have uh, places to lay their head, but the Son of Man hath no place. He was homeless so that I might have a home in heaven. He was forsaken so that I won't have to be forsaken. He was bound and cast into prison that I might be let out of prison and set free. He was made sin that I might be made righteous. He died that I might live. In our greatest need, he came. Someone said that if our greatest need was information, he would have sent a teacher. If our greatest need was medicine, he would have sent a doctor. If our greatest need was money, he might would have sent an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness of sin, so he came as a Savior. How do you see him today? Do you see him as the Lamb of God, able to take away the sins of the world? Exodus 12, he said, Speak to the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month you shall take every man a lamb of his house according to his house, and the number of his house, a lamb for a house. And this scripture stuck out to me, this portion, and it says, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let his neighbor next to his house take it. Wow. Let me tell you something. The lamb of God is too big for my house. 
the Lamb of God is too big for your house. It's meant to be shared. It's not something that we hold on to and covet. It's friend, you say, hey, come, invite your neighbors and say, why don't you come experience the Lamb because the Lamb is enough. It's enough for your sins. It's enough for the sins of your children. It's enough for the sins of your community. It's enough for the sins of the, of the United States. It's enough for the sins of the world. When God appeared unto Abraham, he appeared as El Shaddai, meaning all-sufficient. In other words, more than enough. You know, we live in a world where there's never enough. We never have enough money. We never have enough time. Just a few short years ago, we didn't have enough toilet paper. <laughs> Baby formula. Not enough, not enough gas, not enough time, not enough money. In other words, in a world of not enough, he is enough. If Mama Ann will go ahead and get and prepare the communion supplies. R.C. Campbell penned these words. Jesus was the light of the world. He was the hope for the lost. In his eyes, the world was focused. Around him, the thoughts of the world revolve. In him, salvation hinges. And from him, the light of the world radiates. By him, the worlds were framed. And for him, all power flows. By him, sinners are unshackled. He lifts the burden of sin, penetrates the fog of life, and dispels the shadows of death. He lifts the loads of our condemnation and changes our fading hopes into fadeless glory. His disciples cried, show us the Father, and Jesus came revealing the character of the Father. He was God uncovered. He was God in the flesh. We serve a God that is greater. He's greater than your problems. He's greater than the sin that you've committed. Over 2,000 years, there have been lots of lambs. It was slain. There was a lamb slain in the garden of Eden that provided a covering for sin. But when the blood reached heaven, it was not enough. The tabernacle, thousands of lambs. When Solomon dedicated the temple, 120,000 lambs. And the glory of God fell, but it still was not enough. In closing... There was a story during the Civil War of a farmer. Doesn't even mention his last name. His first name was Blake. He was drafted as a soldier. When he got the news, he was deeply concerned because leaving his family, his children, because his wife had just died, there would be no one there to tend for his children. On the day that he was to leave for the war, there was a knock at his door. His next door neighbor, Charles Durham, came to visit him. Oddly, he hadn't seen him since church. Blake said, I've been thinking. He said, Charles said, I'm, I've decided to go to war in your place. The farmer was 
Needless to say, overwhelmed, speechless. The offer seemed too good to be true. As he stood there, he grasped the hand of his young, brave neighbor. With tears in his eyes, he began to thank God that this man was willing to go as his substitute. Charles was sadly killed in the very first battle. The word came to the farmer and when he got the news he immediately saddled his horse and left to go to the battlefield. After a diligent search he was able to find his body in the medical tent. He carried his body home and made arrangements for Charlie to be buried in the churchyard near the spot where they had often stopped to talk after services. On a piece of rough marble he carved an inscription with his own hands. It was roughly done, but with every blow of the hammer on the chisel, tears fell from his eyes. He placed a marker on the grave of his devoted substitute. As the song said, a divine exchange. Villagers wept as they read, as they passed and read the brief touching inscription that simply said, he died for me. He died for me. Isn't that what happened at Calvary? A divine exchange. I was meant to die, but somebody else came and took my place. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless and we hope to see you on the next episode.